Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day everyone. Welcome once again to Profitable Farmer. I hope this season's unfolding well for you. I have a shout out to Ellie and Tom Webb, thanking you for the introduction to our next guest. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce Dr. David Anthony to you all. David is a doctor of philosophy, has a master's of applied psychology, sports and exercise, a grad diploma in psychology and a bachelor in psychology. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation. I think we've got a really important issue to touch on that hopefully will be incredibly relevant to many of you. Um, David is the CEO and co-founder to Mantle Health, which is a network of psychologists supporting in particular men, but men and women and children across Australia. I think it's a really important um, project, uh, Dave, that you've founded. And um, I can't wait to hear more about it and to share your story with our farming community. So welcome to Profitable Farmer. Thanks very much, Jeremy. Great to be here. Just by way of introduction, Dave is passionate about changing the way men engage in therapy and improving their quality of life. With over 15 years experience in corporate sport, defence, health, government and academic environments. He's worked in numerous male-dominated environments and provides specialist psychological services in a way that's identifiable and reliable. I love that introduction, mate. Um, And thank you very much for being with us. Just to kick us off, um, can you tell us a little bit about mental health and how it came to be and what inspired you to to bring this project into reality? Yeah, sure, mate. So um, mental health came to be largely as a result of, of my experience as a psychologist um, and the other two co-founders, shout out to, to Dave Burrows and, and, and Luke Foster, um, who, uh, like me as psychologists, and have had a range of experiences. Luke, I met in the army and and um, worked in, in a few different postings with, and and Dave also did a little bit of reserve work, but has a much greater sort of uh, level of experience across sort of corporate um, environments as well. And we we got talking about this notion of our experience as psychologists and and how. The, the way that we engage with men was was sort of you know was different to, to the way that we were trained and and what was effective with men um, was different to the way that um, we were taught um, you know that we were educated and you know went through the the process of becoming psychologists so we started to look at the the research uh, you know what is what does that tell us about um, you know, a gendered approach to therapy. What a, would you know? Is there a, sort of a, a good evidence base, if you like, to support this notion of starting something up that sort of targets a specific demographic, or you know, or men specifically? And you know, to uh, our uh, you know surprise, I guess there, there was a fair bit of research out of it and um, out there about it, and a lot of it's been done sort of um, you know out of Australia as well, which is really cool. So. You know, we had this concept, um, 
we we had this uh, this this evidence base to say, well, you know, we need to create something that that meets the needs of men. Um, that uh, you know, is, our vision is about helping men to become better partners, brothers, fathers, mates, colleagues, leaders, and and friends. Well, mates and friends are the same thing. I got that wrong, but uh, you know, this this notion of you know not just improving the life of men, but those around them, and. For us, we started to look at well, what are the barriers that that get thrown up for um, you know men engaging in mental health support or professional support, and and some of those were sort of this this perception of time, uh, you know, the time it takes to go to a GP um, or even travel to a medical appointment, and the time it takes for um, uh, you know away from the, the primary work while uh, away from family, whatever it might be, and, and the other was. As we continue to hear, sort of this this perception of stigma. Well, I don't want to talk about my mental health. Um, you know that doesn't really align with what a man should be from a from a masculinity's perspective. And so, um, mental health was born. Um, it's it's a video one on one video telehealth service. So you know we we reduce the impost and travel. Um, we take psychology to a time and a place that best suits the individual. So. Um, you know, there's no awkward sitting in a waiting room where there's a stack of new ideas beside you, and you, um, you know that are that, that um, are well worn and, and not of interest. Uh, and uh, you know, we we allow people to engage with us at a place that is more comfortable, whether that's the office, home, out in the car, um, you know, sitting in the youth somewhere outside a work site um, or on a farm. Uh, you know that 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 was the uh, that was where we thought about it. And funnily enough, it was pre-COVID, and um, you know, COVID. If it's done one thing positive, it's it's allowed people to to feel more comfortable with this environment. How did you come to the world of psychology, Dave? Oh, way back when, and and um, how's the journey been? Yeah, look. Uh, so I got into psychology. I was involved in a in a Rotary Youth Leadership uh, Awards program when I was. Geez, 19, 20, 19. And um, it was a, you know, a, a week leadership and personal development program um, run at, a, you know, where I grew up just uh, on the south side of Brizzy. And Ryla, as it's otherwise known, has you know, various connotations around Australia. Um, but, you know, this was a week-long program once a year. And uh, I, I went as a participant at the um, request of my boss at the time in, as a cadet drafts person drawing structural steel and um and loved it uh got a lot out of the program uh and wanted to continue to be involved and so funnily enough i applied to to be uh, a part of the leadership team um to go back the following year and was accepted uh and and was involved in sort of the full transition process for the next three years as a part of the leadership team and we got to work with a couple of psychologists as a part of that uh leadership team and so that's where I got introduced to psychology. Couldn't have told you what it was at school. Um, and what I liked about the, the, this notion of psychology is one, yeah, sure, it's it's a great opportunity to help um, those that, that may, may need support, but it's also a really great opportunity um, to, to learn about why we do what we do, you know, from a behavioural perspective. And, and for me, that was what attracted me most. It was like, well, I'm learning about this stuff and I can see how it applies to, you know, my own behaviour, to the behaviour of the people around me um, and, and, and in a weird sort of way sort of helped 
explain a, a little bit about, um, you know, why we do the things that we do. Perfect. So today, would you mind just describing the mental health business, the team size and your reach? Is that okay? Yeah, mate. Um, so today we've been operating for 16 months, so not a not a huge amount of time. We launched at the end of September in 2020. Yes, 2020. I keep forgetting it's 2022. Uh, and the um, so Mantle offers a couple of different types of services. It offers its its clinical services, which is your traditional psychology. Uh, it offers its uh, performance services, which uh, are more about sort of a targeted approach. You know, this notion of working on a specific area to to take yourself from good to great. Whereas our clinical services are about this notion of working from from moving from not so good to good. Um, you know, we have uh, 20 sites that operate from various places in Australia, being a video telehealth platform. Uh, you know, there's there's um, great opportunity for reach, and um, you know, we we cover sort of uh, outside of traditional work hours as well, which can sometimes be a little bit difficult to find sites that'll do that. And so, you know, as we continue to build our service and build our team, uh, we'll, we'll continue to look for those opportunities to look at after our services and also a little bit of additional weekend work, which we offer currently. I think it's a wonderful business model and offering. Um, my perception is that psychologists and counsellors and the sort of support you provide um, is in short supply and often hard to come by, certainly in regional Australia. Um, I know as a business coach, I've wanted to find um, an access point for some of my clients to get psychological support. And there's been a waiting list and it's been challenging. So um, it's great to know, and I'm really excited about the fact that that your team of 20 psychologists can kind of be there and that people can get you know rapid response, which is you know, so often what they need in times of adversity. Yeah, thank you, mate. It's, um, you know, this is this is one of the other barriers, right, barriers to, to good mental health support, good psychological support is, uh, you know, this this perception of long waiting lists. And, you know, for, for specific sorts of services, yeah, sure, there's there's big waiting lists. Uh, if you want a bulk billing service, you know, it's, it's likely that you're going to have to wait. Um, but, you know, what, what we're seeing across all of health is this notion that if, if you want to pay for good service, um, there's there's a requirement to, you know, pay a little bit extra for that. And I think, um, you know, for us, uh, not being the only video telehealth psychology service, but being the only video tele telehealth psychology service for primarily for men, um, the there's other um, businesses out there that, that still have availability that, that operate this way. And I think, um, you know, for, for your listeners that are spread to the to the four corners, I don't know if you could say that about Australia, but spread wide across Australia, um, the, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to engage with those sort of services. And, you know, if you're getting told that by, by a GP or whatever it may be that, um, you, you know, there's a, there's a really long waiting list to see a psych, I'd... I'd encourage you to reach out to me and and um, and we can look at how we might be able to support you or at least link you up with a service that, that can also support you. Um, that's uh, uh, something that I, I like to try and challenge the, the perception out there about. While we're talking about perceptions, 
I feel like in America, everyone's got a counsellor or a coach or it's, you know, it's commonplace perhaps. Um, mm. There seems to be, you know, my perception anyway of um, their culture is that it's more commonplace. I feel like in Australia, it's, um, and I might be wrong in this, Dave, so I'm interested in your comment that um, people who need psychs are either broken or weak um, and I'm neither of those. So, you know, I don't need that sort of help. I I'd, I'd kind of reckon, you know, for many men, maybe in regional and rural, that um, there's a thought that it's a sign of weakness to get psychological support. Um, I'd like to challenge that, but I'd love your comment on whether you think that's accurate or, um, or otherwise. Yeah, look, I, I think there's a level of accuracy to it, Jeremy. I think... Um you know, again, I reflect on my own experience, the background in the army and just the shift that I saw in the period that I was in the army um, full time for, you know, the, the change in perception about engaging in support. But, um, you know, also also more broadly, you know, the, this, this notion of uh, masculinity uh, is um, more pervasive in Australian society, you know, we're, we're, we're seen as, uh, or blokes specifically are seen as, you know, those that, that should be able to deal with stuff. They should be able to, to cut what comes at them. Um, you know, they shouldn't need additional support. Um, and, and so when we're raised with those, as our, with those expectations placed upon it as a, what it means to be a man, uh, you know, that, that, requires, um, uh, uh, that requires change. And I'm thinking back to a conversation that I had with Ellie and Tom when we were in uh, when we were in New Zealand in uh, November 2020. Um, the, the way that we talk about mantle, and I think the way that we sort of talk about um, this notion of those that use psych support for a for a um, you know, more from a proactive preventative approach is it definitely exists here in Australia, but that we might describe the individuals utilising those services, ones that are more sort of uh, the more informed and insightful uh, um, versions of the stereotypical Australian male. And we're seeing that change. Um, There's still a long way to go. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I think when I, when, when I learn more about your audience and, and, and the people working with FOA is, is this this notion that they want to get better? You know, they want to get better at the way they operate. They want to get better at, at the way they live. And you know, for me, um, there's a myriad of ways to do that, and it's a constant process to find out how you do it better. Well said. I think I'm always um, pleasantly surprised and amazed by just how open-minded our listener group is. And certainly our clients at FOA, just their thirst for knowledge, their open-mindedness around getting the right people around them and their desire to improve, it just it is so impressive. And so I think we're speaking to a community of very open-minded people on this podcast. Um, and so that stereotype might not apply, but I think it certainly seems to be or feels like to me where we've come from. And I agree, I feel like there's sort of a bit of a shift in consciousness or a more open-minded approach that perhaps men um, are, are making and taking to get the right people around them so that they can improve in all areas of their life. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and to add to that, I think, you know, one of the one of the really interesting 
insights is this notion that when we um, when we talk about our experience, um, you know, and, and we talk about the, this process of or, or this perception of sort of being weak or, or um, you know, not manly to, to, to seek help. What we're actually doing by seeking help and then talking about it with those close to us and our, our, our social supports is we're, we're actually normalising the experience, you know, normalising this process that you know, we experience difficulty, but also normalising this process that we engage in support to improve our quality of life and our general wellbeing. And, and you know, that, for want of a better expression, modelling, you know, the, the, and normalising the, the process is it goes a long way to change other people's behaviour. And, and we can't underestimate the importance of that. I think to your point, it's a very courageous step to do that. Um, and it will inspire others if you are, you know, willing to, to make that stance to be better and to get people around you. I love that comment um, that I heard Ash Barty's coach make the other day on a podcast that there are two types of leaders. There are leaders that think that being vulnerable is a weakness. And then there are leaders who think that being vulnerable is a strength. And, you know, I think that second comment you know, if you're willing to get the people around you and open up to them and, and explore ourselves and how we can improve, then I think it's absolutely a really strong sign of leadership and a sign of strength. Um, would you agree that that there's real strength in being vulnerable? Oh, 100%. And, um, you know, coming from the background that I do and, and having been fortunate enough to have the time to do the research that I've done, uh, you know, there's there's nothing but support for this notion of vulnerability is the key to uh, this label of resilience that gets thrown around, you know, and, and that, that can be misunderstood. But the most, um, if, if we think about the people in our lives that we might consider resilient for, for the way they behave, the way they act, the way they talk, whatever it might be, they're usually the ones that have the capacity to be vulnerable you know they have the capacity to learn from those difficult experiences and at its core that's what resilience is it's you know it's not so much experiencing adversity but it's learning from the experiences both good and bad as a means to protect you to protect yourself against similar experiences in the future um, or move through those more effectively nice one so would you while we're on it just give us a bit more insight into how we build resilience. Um, you know, you've touched on what it is there, but but maybe just a bit more there on what it is to be resilient and and how people can make a first step in building up their resilience. I find this topic really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and and, and I mean, it's a it's almost a um, a topic in itself. Um, but how do I summarise it um, succinctly? Uh, so. You know, getting away from what how we might define it. You know, there's there's a range of definitions out there, and sometimes it's not always they're not always helpful. But the way that we, um, you know, that I that I like to think about resilient is is again thinking about those people that I see as resilient, whether it be in my family, uh, you know, in my workplace, uh, you know, the, the the people in my social network that are closest to me. You know, what is it that they do regularly? What is it? How is it that they talk? Um, how how is it that they move through those difficult periods? Because at the end of the day, resilience is a set of behaviours. You know, it's a it's a set of habits that that we do frequently that protects us against those difficult periods. And so, if we were to pull it apart, you know, if we were to look at ways that um, 
that that we might uh, try and conceptualise the pieces of resilience or the factors of resilience. You know, you look at, um, you know, social support as being a critical aspect. Um, and, and again, thinking about those resilient people in your life, there's probably an element there that um, that they have a good support network. Um, and that's not a huge amount of people. It's just people that they can know they can rely on in difficult times. Um, you know, we, we talk about um, values-oriented behaviour. So knowing what's important to me and, and, and ensuring that I'm doing things that regularly align with, with those values. Because if I'm doing that, I'm more likely to be enjoying uh, those aspects of my life. Um, you know, the, the other consideration is this no, notion of sort of um, problem solving. So, you know, do I use different problem solving approaches as opposed to, you know, just persist with emotion focused problem solving, which is, you know, um, uh, all, all the stuff that we might do to lessen the emotional effect? Um, or when the, when the time is right, do I also engage in the, the problem focused stuff where I'm actually trying to break down the situation and see how I can fix it? Um, and, and and the other one, um, which again isn't um, isn't necessarily um, it's what's what am I trying to say? It's 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 quite common knowledge. Is is how do we how do we maintain our, our physical health and well being? Um, you know, how is our diet? How is our sleep? And you know, noting that sleep is sometimes uh, very different depending on what stage of life you're in and. and um, what stage of life your, your family's in? Um, you know, what are we doing from a physical activity perspective? And the final point um, is, what are we doing away from work that sustains us? And, and you know, noting that uh, work, depending on where we are and what we do, can be an all-encompassing thing. The, the importance of taking a break and getting away from that um, uh, on a semi-regular basis even if it's just briefly, is is critical to maintain your capacity to perform in that environment. That's such a cracking summary. Thank you. What a great okay. set of points. Um, awesome. So I'll reflect back personally, and I've shared this story with our listeners before, but um, when I arrived in my mid-20s to a point of anxiety, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, and ultimately kind of situational depression. Mm. Um, getting psychological help wasn't natural. It wasn't a normal thing to do, and it wasn't something that I'd really heard of, but I am so grateful that I sort of stumbled upon and reached out to and got the help that I needed. And I reflect now years later as it being an absolute turning point in my life. And so, you know, for those people listening that, you know, if you're not on your A game or if you're on your A game and wanting to, you know, as, as you say, Dave, move from good to great, or if something's not right, one of the best things you can do is change your environment. And I think the best way that we can change our environment is to get the right people like Dave or his psychology team around you so you can explore things differently and, and look for different avenues to move forward that aren't necessarily obvious to you in the heat of battle. What would you comment there, Dave? Oh, yeah, basically. Um, I, I think, um, you know, we 
the, my experience, the, the the research out there, you know, the, I think about um, the, the people that engage with our service. You know, it, it always, I shouldn't say always, but it often sort of points to this notion of, um, you know, I engage when I don't have any other options. Um, and, I, and I think the true opportunity for growth is engaging upstream, if you like, you know, and and looking for ways that if, if things aren't quite humming the way that you'd like them to be, um, you know, what are, what are the ways to get on top of that early? Uh, as opposed to to further down the track, you know, you know to, to your example, Jeremy, if we're, you know, if we're in our mid twenties and, and sort of just just trying to crack on, um, even when there's periods of difficulty, there's this great saying. I can't remember who it came from. I'd love to say it was mine, but it's not. Uh, you know, what you resist persists, and 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 when it comes to periods of difficulty, I, I think that's incredibly true. Um, Things don't normally change if we ignore them. Um, they usually get worse. So, um, you know, our team, um, you know, this. Uh, when I think about the team that we've put together and the way that we've trained them um, to, to refine their already uh, impressive skills, you know, over 10 years' experience as Sykes, um, you know, looking at, at a program to improve their understanding and awareness of, you know, a gendered approach to therapy, you know, those sort of things place them really well to work with whatever it is that you're coming coming to us with. And, um, you know, whatever stage of life that might be, I think um, getting more comfortable with engaging with, with professionals um, outside of all the other things that you're doing is, is a necessary process. Absolutely. Dave, I might make the point um, that mental health isn't only for men. So... Yeah. I might get you to speak to this, um, that your team also very much support women and children in families, um, whilst your focus is perhaps primarily on supporting men, just to those ladies and the younger generation perhaps out there listening, um, absolutely mental health can support you as well. That said, Dave, um, you mentioned that the research that you did with your fellow directors um, indicated that men are wired a bit differently and we we operate somewhat differently and learn differently and communicate differently. Would you mind speaking to your spin on that research or your take on how it is that men are wired differently? Yeah. Uh, to your point about seeing, uh, seeing all genders, um, we, we definitely do. Um, and, you know, whilst our psychs have experience in, in sort of male-oriented environments and, uh, you know, have specialist training in, you know, dealing with men, they also have backgrounds as psychologists that have allowed them an opportunity to, to work with all genders um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and youth as well to, to an extent. Um, the, the, the research tells us when we, we talk about men being wired differently and... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to sort of categorise it that that bluntly um, because I think that can, but sometimes be a hindrance. So the, the way that we like to talk about it is is this notion that we've learned differently. Um, and sure, there's a little bit of stuff up here that 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 um, that brain scans tell us that that male brains are different to female brains. But um, 
you know, at the end of the day, um, a lot of it comes from the environment in which we grow up and the, you know, the behaviours that we've observed in the people around us. And, you know, that gives us a, a, a frame of reference for how we should behave. Um, and uh, for mine, um, the, the three main differences when we talk about uh, the way that, that men uh, better uh, engage with, with with mental health support or psych support or, or what benefits them more effectively is, you know, this notion of um, sort of perceived autonomy, right? So we might break that down to being, um, you know, feeling like they have a have a, a say in, in what's being covered in in the sessions, what um, you know, what the expectations, of sort of the treatment are, what are the roles and the goals. Um, you know, the the other part of it is this notion of behavioural activation. So no surprises here and is, is you know, we stereotypically like to be active uh, and often when we're experiencing periods of ill health and illness, um, you know, that, that physical activity is one of the first things that we, we start to do less of. And again, you know, like if you're working in an incredibly active role, um, you know, that, that's not to say that you're not being physically active, but I would also say that, you know, what are the other things that might be required there? Uh, and and the third consideration is this this notion of, of um, you know a strengths based approach, and for for the coaches that are listening in out there, you're probably pretty familiar with that. But the, the way we might describe it is, you know, how do we ensure, as opposed to sort of the and I say in inverted commas, the traditional approach to psychology is focusing on all these areas, these weaknesses that aren't, uh, you know, that that have. Um, may be attributed to why you are where you are. You know, we focus on how do we leverage the strengths? You know, what are the things that are working? You know, what are the aspects that we might be able to to um, to work on that is protective against some of those other um, areas that are that are proving challenging? And how do we sort of this isn't a technical term, but you know, how do we use that to spin up the motivation to start to start to change more sort of uh, more wholesale aspects of your life to 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 get you going again? So, to your point, I don't want to stereotype or, <laughs> or put people in boxes, but you've worked in corporate, you've worked in elite sport, you've worked in defence, um, you've probably worked with farm business owners before are we really very different across all of those disciplines or are we somewhat similar in how we or what drives us and how we behave uh good question look there's differences but um jesus this is a true sitting on the fence comment um but uh you know underlying that there's a lot of similarities and i think you know, um, regardless of you know, where we've come from, where we've grown up, where we live currently, I think, you know, at, at its core, there's there's similarities there that allow us an opportunity to, to work on and, and build. And, you know, if I was to... If I was to think about what the sort of the, the one consistent um, theme is across all those environments that I've worked in, you know, the, the, the key to... To starting to to improve areas of your life or quality of life or general well-being, whatever you might want to call it, um, mental health, um, probably more appropriate, is you know what am I doing and how does that align with what is most important to me currently, and and have I spent the time recently to identify what is most important to me currently, 
because, you know, that changes over life. Think about those major life stages, um, you know, uh, leaving home or, you know, school, you know, uh, finishing school, leaving home, potentially coming back home, um, starting, a, you know, getting married, starting a family, um, you know, changing roles, um, you know, kids growing up, like all those sort of life stages, um, usually require us to sort of tweak what it is that we're doing as a means to, you know, and what is most important to us. And and when we don't do that, that's often when we find this sort of this clash. I don't feel like things are traveling that well. Um, uh, it's because I'm trying to do what I used to do that may not be working for me right now. Yeah, that's so interesting that we're not living life through to, you've mentioned values, but to what's important to us mm. right now. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I encourage, you know, as a as a little reflective activity, um, you know, you think about what you what you were doing five or ten years ago, um, and, and you know what was most important to you then. You know, how does that relate to 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 what's going on for you right now? I know ten years ago, you know, my life was very different to to what it is now. I wouldn't change any of that, but um, it's required me to 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 refine what it is I do and how I do it because what's important to me has changed. Yep. So the way in which we were playing five or ten years ago might have had us feeling good within ourselves from a mental health standpoint, but our values, our priorities, even our goals have changed. We need to learn to adapt and change the way we navigate and operate with a new set of or a different, slightly different set of values and a different set of priorities. Yeah, yeah, and throwing a little bit of age there, Jeremy, as well. You know, like the way that we used to maintain our physical health, and and you know the things that we might have used to have eaten and and got away with. You know, unfortunately, um, we can't do that. Um, and, and I think that's the way that we used to. And I think that's a really interesting comparison. You know, this notion of how we change physically and and the requirements to change because we can't keep doing what we used to do. Um, you know, we, we need to think about that from a psychological perspective as well because, you know, this thing up here never stops growing. It's, and, you know, for those of you listening, that I was putting in my head. Um, but, you know, uh, what we used to do to, to maintain our mental health needs to change because we've got other commitments, we've got other stressors, we've got other challenges, and, and we need to refine that. Um, you know, if we can't do it with, with ourselves, who are we doing it with as a coach, as a psych, as a, you know, a significant other? And, and how do we do it more effectively? I, another global question that will be probably hard for you to answer, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Yeah, give it a go. What, what drives men? What do men want and what keeps them from having good mental health? Um, I don't know about – I don't want to answer the what do men want because I think that, that that's not a static question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to what we were just what we we're just speaking about. You know, that that will normally change depending on life stage. Um, there'll be similarities, of course, um, throughout life, depending on what you're doing and how you're doing it. But I, I think um, you know, what what do we want as as men will change. And mate, what was the second part of the question? I've forgotten it. What was it that keeps us from having good mental health? Oh, good mental health. Yeah, there we go. So, um, uh, bluntly, stubbornness, I think. Um, you know, this this resistance that 
um, we should be able to do it all. Uh, and, and so this resistance to um, engaging in, in um, the support that we might need to maintain it or the habits before we even link in with the support to, to maintain our, our mental health. Because usually when we get busy, um, when we get stressed, um, you know, when there's other competing demands, the, the stuff that, that we stop doing uh, is the self-care stuff, which is usually what protects us um, and what maintains our mental health. So it's this terrible conundrum. How does stress turn up and play out for men? Mm. Uh, usually through aggression um, and, and uh, anger, uh, sometimes through withdrawal um, and and, uh, dis- and and disconnecting. I was going to say disconnection, but that didn't seem right. So, you know, this, this process of pulling back and, and that might be, you know, it, it, again, contingent on how we grew up and, and what we learned. Um, you know, my habit when I'm getting stressed is I'll normally withdraw um, and, and sort of go a little bit more internal and spend a little bit more time up in my head. Um, you know, I've, I've got other friends that, that will have difficulty managing their anger and, and, you know, that's not to say that they're aggressive towards other, but they just, they're more frustrated and they snap more easily. They, you know, they, the, the things that they'd normally be able to tolerate that's you, is it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and I think, you know, we, we, without getting too deep, we, we probably think back to, you know, what did we observe when we were growing up and, you know, what was modelled to us in terms of how we manage that sort of stuff. Um, that, that's usually where, where it sits. Um, so, yeah, they're the two main groups, mate, for, to, to categorise. Thank you. Um, yeah, so if people listening relate to that, that, you know, you might disconnect under stress or um, get frustrated or angry. Um, Which also leads to usually alcohol consumption or, you know, um, a a little bit more substance abuse as well. Yeah, so lower levels of self-care. If we're not looking after ourselves and some of the emotions that we're feeling in the moment, particularly under stress, aren't serving us, then that's probably a good um, realisation to have, um, you know, as motivation perhaps to make positive change and reach out for support. Dave, um, a lot of our farmers might spend a lot of their time or at least some of their time operating in relative isolation. Often we've got small teams and we're not in high-rise buildings or in dense populations. We're operating on motorbikes and in tractors and, and often um, in remote and relatively isolated areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned social support and, you know, changing your environment and, you know, getting um, things like your physical health and those things right. What would you say to those farmers that um, are also kind of probably not tied to their farm but working big hours on their farm and in relative isolation? What are some of the things that they could do? Yeah, great question, and and I think when I when I talk about changing the environment, it's uh, I, I don't want that to be misinterpreted being well, you, you know you've got to get off the farm because um, that's not always realistic. 
Um, so it's, you know, what are the what are the aspects that you can change part of um, the environment? You know, is it is it time out during the workday? Um, is it uh, and and you know that might be ten minutes where you're sitting down with your significant other or one of your kids or your dog, um, uh, and, and just taking some time to stop and breathe. Um, you know, we don't do that enough because this mindset is we need to keep just keep going. And, um, you know, what we know about stress, uh, if we think about it from a, you know, a physiological perspective, um, stress is usually when our brain's working overtime. That's when it normally comes up. And, and if we think about our brain, essentially what it is, is a muscle. And like any other muscle in our body, it's not designed to work 24-7. It's not even really designed to work, you know, a 10 or 12-hour day um, uh, without breaks, without appropriate sort of time to rest, reflect and recharge. Um, and, you know, depending on the environment, it's it's what are the ways that you can give yourself little bits of downtime throughout the day? And that's not an hour. It doesn't have to be sort of two hours. It doesn't have to be an early finish. But, you know, how do you build in as a part of your habits those regular periods where you can just give your brain and your body a bit of a break um the other consideration around social support i think um again the comment earlier about you know one of the things that covid's taught us is we have a really great opportunity to connect with others um using tech and you know even for the luddites amongst us that may not be that familiar with it um you know, it's uh, it's it's getting easier to maintain connections with the people that that you value um, and, and that are important in your life outside of your immediate family. And I think, you know, without getting too arbitrary about it, is how do we make sure that um, we've got time in there um, to to connect with those people that 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 we love? And you know, talking about. Um, you know, the things that, that may be a distraction from what be going, what might be going on on the farm. And so if it's that 10 minutes where you're sitting down having a break with a dog on, you know, in, in some some random part of the property where there's no one else around, um, you know, maybe move to a part of the property where there's a little bit of phone reception and, and, and give someone a call for that 10-minute break. Um, the, you know, the, the notion of um, physical well-being, it's, it's, I think it's a constant battle for, for most of us. Um, but you know, if we're not feeling right physically, um, I'd encourage you to look at, you know, what are the things that you might need to change um, or, or even let's get sort of less um, uh, sort of categorical about it and what are the things you can adjust um, or, or trial um, like you would with other things that may not be working as a means to improve, you, you know, to, to see if that has an effect on your well-being. Thank you. So taking that same thought process one step further, I think you mentioned that you're from south of Brizzy. Um, we've got some farmers there going through extreme adversity with floods, um, the likes of which I don't think we've ever seen. Um, you know, and I know that you played a role with the Army supporting fire-affected families um, a couple of years ago, Dave. What would you say... Um, to those men and women that are navigating extreme adversity at this time just as an offer of support? Yeah, mate, look, um, yeah, shit, look, my, my, you know, 
my, my thoughts go out to them. Uh, it's it's an incredibly hard time, and uh, you know the, the bushfires a couple of years ago, and then back in two thousand and nine, we were involved in as well uh, with army up in um, you know in and around King Lake, and I think um, you know the, the the things that 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 taught me is. And, and this isn't meant to be a throwaway line or a kick in the guts, but it's it's acknowledging that there needs to be a little bit of patience there. Um, if we're if we're too quick to make decisions about insurance and and you know those those aspects, sometimes you know we might not be making the best you know the best or, or most appropriate decision. So how do you sort of, for want of a better um, approach, how do you maintain a level of social connection and social support where you can? If it's not, you know, it's if it's because you cut off, how do you look to reintroduce that initially? Uh, and how do you ensure you're giving yourself time to make the right decisions as opposed to the fast decisions? Because the worst thing that we can do is probably make a rash decision um, without talking to the people that are important to us, um, which, which may not be most appropriate when we're under that stress and pressure. Because, again, when this thing's overloaded, um, uh, our capacity to make good decisions and think critically is compromised. So what are the things that we need to do to give ourselves time and space, focusing on what's most important, which is, you know, um, our own well-being and the, the well-being of our immediate family um, before those big decisions need to be made. Thanks, Dave. So I mean, one of the key things I reflect on after those fires on KI having affected so many of our members over there that a couple of them said um, was reach out and accept or accept the help that's coming your way. You mentioned being stoic and and um, you know, thinking that we've got to fight this battle for ourselves. Um, yeah, our thoughts go out to all of you who are suffering from that flood adversity and others, but just if Blaze Aid or if anyone turns up on your farm offering support i just want to encourage you to embrace that um and and yeah allow people to help you in the same way you would turn around and help others yeah it's a, it's a critical call out mate and and you know when we talk about that social support when we talk about that support from professionals um there's a lot of people out there doing good work um don't be stubborn um you know, if they're coming to help you, accept the help um, and and focus on getting things back on track for you, your immediate, you know, um, family, and that other stuff will come uh, if you're working towards it. Great comment, Dave. Thank you. So, I'm just in rounding out, just a couple of other questions, Dave. I'm hammering you with questions, but I hope you're that's right, mate. okay. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm good with it. Have you reflect on your journey, having learned what you've learned and 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 helped so many people apply it? How have you changed, and and what do you do differently now, having learned some of the skills and tools that you have access to that perhaps you didn't ten or fifteen years ago? Yeah, great question. Um, look, I can be stubborn at times, um, and, and and we might put that down to the way I was. The, the you know what I learned when I was growing up and the environments in which I grew up in, um, all pretty masculine, um, you know, footy clubs and surf life saving clubs and and, and then um, you know going into the army. But um, I, I think you know for me the things that I've learned as a result of 
you know, the, the study that I've done, uh, that I've done the, the roles that I've been fortunate enough to work in, the research that I've been fortunate enough to do is we never stop learning. Um, and, and, and for mine, whether that's in terms of the way that I practice professionally, whether that's in terms of the way that I look after myself personally and, and the way that I engage with my environment, you know, my, my, uh, my lovely wife, Han, and, and our nine-month-old daughter, um, you know, my extended family, I, I, I think, you know, acknowledging that I need to get out of my head um, when I'm starting to experience a, a difficult period and, and communicate with them is, is my biggest learning opportunity because the sooner I do that, um, the less likely Han is to get annoyed at me. Um, but also, um, you know, those closest to us know us the best and, you know, they'll call us out. Uh, when we're having a hard time, we need to listen to them um, because if they're telling us something's up, uh, we need to accept that something's up and we need to do something about it. And for me, that's probably my biggest learning is, is listening to the people around me, acknowledging that I've still got another, I don't know, maybe 40 years on this planet. So I'll, I'll continue to learn through those next 40 years as well. And when we talk in that time, Jeremy, we might have something else to share. <laughs> and mate, just speaking to that, what would yep. you say to the wonderful women in our lives about how they can turn up and support their men? Any any tips there when their partners or husbands are stressed, frustrated, even angry, not on their A game? Um, yeah. You know, what would you say to our significant others about how they can offer support in those moments? Yeah, there's um, – what I'll do, mate, is I'll, I'll share a little document that we put together that – that, that talks about our, um, you know, four R's, which is kind of like a, an approach to, to how we have a conversation. And, you know, the, the things that um, it, it would be great for our significant others, our wives, our partners to remember is, you know, it's how do we approach this knowing that a lot of the time when a bloke's experiencing difficulty, um, a, a, an approach that that may be you know genuine um you know the, the spotty senses are up the walls are up and so that might be perceived poorly so what are the ways you can nudge and 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 uh i don't want to use a, a too fluffy a term here but but nurturing the conversation as opposed to sort of being coming across and saying you need to change something so how do you have that conversation in a way that that highlights your concern for your significant other calls out the behaviour that, that um, you know, that you've seen that's made you worried um, and, and how do you work with them to highlight that you're there to support them and you want to make sure, you know, you want to work with them to get back on track and, you know, whether that's linking them in with professional supports, whether that's linking them in with, with other mates or, or, or family members, you know, it's working with them to, to, to make that change as opposed to, um, you know, necessarily just telling them they need to do it and, and not raising it in a conversation again. So, Dave, I asked this question of a lot of my um, guests on Profitable Farmer. What would you say to a younger you? Oh, um, it's a good question. Um, what would I say to a younger younger you? Or younger me? Um, look, I'd, I've never been asked that, Jeremy. Uh, I would say... Continue well, no, I'd, I'd, let me rephrase that. I would say just focus on what's working for you right now and don't worry about what the future holds. 
because if you're doing what's important to you and, and what's meaningful for you right now, uh, the future will take care of itself. Love it. Well, um, I've got so much respect for my father-in-law and he's got this, this phrase that I've taken on and I hear myself saying it to myself often. <laughs> his comment is, it'll work itself out. It'll yeah. work itself out. And I love that comment because to your point, if I just live life true to what's important to me today, that's really all that matters, knowing that the, that everything else will, will work itself out. Yeah, yeah. There's, we don't want to spend too much time disengaged with what's going on with around us right now because the present moment's where we get our most satisfaction, right? So what are you most proud of? <clears throat> what are you most proud of, Dave, sorry, about what you've already created at Mantle Health um, and what the future looks like for you and your team? Yeah, uh, so work-wise, um, I'm, I'm most proud of the, the brand and the work that, we're, that, that our team is doing. Um, you know, we've got uh, 88% of, of our clients are staying engaged for, for three or more sessions compared to an industry average of 54. Um, the, uh, you know, if we, we look at some of the data for, for people that have engaged, you know, when they finish up with us, 91% say that, um, you know, their general well-being is improved. Um, and, you know, for me, at its core, what we're trying to change is, you know, the, the worrying male suicide rate um, in, in Australia and across the world um, more broadly. And if we can provide a service that assists individuals in, improving what's going on for them right now and, and gives them the skills and strategies and, and, and capacity to to improve their quality of life for the benefit of them and them around them you know that's to, to me is is incredibly valuable and I'm so proud of what mantle and more specifically the, the team that works for us are doing fun well said mate thank you um, so how can people get in touch with you and your team what's the best way for listeners who you know, feel like they do need to make that step and reach out and get support from where they are. Um, what's the best way for them to to make contact? Yeah, there's a couple of ways, and uh, I believe one of them will be through um, you know the, the member portal soon enough. Um, but uh, you know, you can go onto our website mantlehealth.com.au. That's M-A-N-T-L-E Health. .com.au uh, and, and click on the book a time button there and you can look at when our sites are available. Uh, if you have um, questions or, or queries about who might be most suited to you, like from a site perspective, if you're unsure as to how we might be able to help, you can give us a call on 1300 646 753. Um, or when you're on our website, you can get on the, the messenger chat and, and, and um, you know, send us a message there. And, you know, noting we're not a crisis service, we will get back to you within one business day. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd be, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. Dave, look, mate, thank you so much for your time and your openness um, and for having a crack at some of those questions that are probably hard to, hard to um, be categoric around because I do get absolutely what you mean that that every individual man or woman um, is unique and different and every circumstance is different so thanks for tolerating my line of questioning congratulations mate on all you've done already 
with mental health. I think it's a really important service. Um, my bias is towards regional and rural. Um, and ab absolutely, we see that, um, you know, there's a real opportunity to um, build our relationship with you and your team so that we can make introductions and make sure that people in regional and rural Australia are getting the support they need, both when they're um, less than good and when they're good, striving to be great. So thank you so much for your time, mate. Have you got a final comment to send us on our way before we round out? Mate, I've, my comment is is just full of thanks for, for you, Jeremy, for the conversation we've had today and, and for your listeners out there and the, the great work that they're doing to, to, you know, as the backbone of this country, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. Guys, thank you so much for listening once again. Just check in. Are you on your A game? Are you anywhere near it? If you're not, don't do this battle alone. Business ownership, entrepreneurship and running a farm can be a very lonely place. I reckon one of the worst things we can do is try and go it alone. Um, elite sport, elite defence, elite corporate, um, everyone is getting a coach, a psychologist, um, and the right people around them so that they can navigate and be at their best in leadership, in entrepreneurship, in farming and all of that. And, you know, it's great to have time with Dr. Dave, um, digging a little bit deeper into psychology and what it means and how it can turn up to help each of you. So if you need that support, encourage you to reach out to Dave and his team. I'll share the details in the written intro with this podcast or reach out to Farm Owners Academy and we're happy to make an introduction. So take care, guys. And again, for those of you dealing with adversity, floods and others, um, our thoughts and um, prayers and best wishes go out to you. Dave, thanks so much for your time, mate. Take care. And um, to all of you, speak soon. Bye for now.